Before I begin um, today's message, um, how many of you guys are following what, what's happening in um, Ukraine? This morning, um, I, I woke up and uh, I saw um, what is to be live. Uh, uh, this this lady um, thanking thanking Mr. Putin. Hey, thank you, Mr. Putin. While her house is being burnt down, and she was saying like, "Hey, thank you, Mr. Putin," because you know. Um, winter in Ukraine is so cold and that you're warming my life. And, and seriously, her house is being burnt down and um, be, behind. Or the footage of the Ukraine military just kind of, you know, dancing. You know, they're, they're just kind of dancing in the midst of wherever they are. But, you know, just kind of just reality is that I don't know. Um, for this war, uh, this war, it, it's so personal to me. Maybe it's because, it, like, constantly, you know, they're they're showing what's happening so live, right? And um, another footage that I saw this morning was this one girl. I think it was an American girl. Uh, she was pleading, and she was saying that I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And I want to be able to get out of Ukraine. And um, saw another footage where a, a father was going to war. And he was saying goodbye to his son. And son was in tears. And so this morning as we go into um, today's message, I, I just want to lift up a prayer for Ukraine. And, and just, I, I know there's nothing that we could do. Maybe there's some ways that maybe you found out that, that you could do. And I just, you know, this morning, Frank was telling me that he has friends who, who's actually in Ukraine. And so whatever the situation that you guys are in, I just want to kind of lift up a, a prayer for, for Ukraine. So let's pray. Father God, I am grateful that I am sitting and standing here uh, in in the midst of this room with my brothers and sisters, because I feel safe. I don't feel fearful of a war that is happening in Ukraine. And yet, Father God, I, as I'm reading through the book of Matthew, as we're going through this sermon series, one of the things that, that you've taught me was to have the same mind and same feelings and same attitudes and Lord, as you look into the lives and the people of Ukraine, I know, Father Lord, that you are, you are shedding your tears for those people who are being lost. And this morning, Father God, as we dive into the Word of God, uh, we want to feel, you know, we want to know, and we want to engage what you are feeling. And I ask in the name of Jesus that, Lord, would you, Allow us, Father God, to be sympathetic and apathetic, empathetic. But more importantly, Father God, I ask, help us to pray for those people, Father God. Father, we just sang the song, Raising a Hallelujah. And one of the lyrics said that, Out from the ashes that hope will arise. I pray, Father Lord, that some of the parts of Ukraine are in ashes and Father God, from that ashes, that hope will arise, not because, Father God, the war will end, but, Father God, that you are in control, that you are the hope, Father God. You are the peace uh, of this turmoil, uh, turmoil times. 
And I ask in the name of Jesus that during this trials or tribulations, Father God, that the people of Ukraine are going through, I just pray, Father Lord, that would you just pour your peace, would you just pour your, Father Lord, your, your, your um, emotion, Father God, upon them. Father, I found out that there is actually 100 Korean missionaries, Father God, who are scrambling and just to, to come out of Ukraine. But I just pray, Father Lord, that as, as we reminded that wherever we go, wherever we do, that Father God, that we need to be the salt and light. And I pray, Father Lord, that from those moments, those really those moments where like there is no hope, Father God, I pray that you would instigate these people, Father God, that they'd be able to really give hopes, Father God, because we have hope in you. For, for us this morning, Father, I pray that if there are any walls that might be erected in our lives, if there is any resistance of letting you to take control of our lives, I pray, Father Lord, that you will break any walls, any resistance Father God, we submit to the condition of your spirit as the spirit is moving in this room. And I pray, Father Lord, that would you let go, would you allow us to let go of all anxiety, all worries, Father God, and let you into our life so that that you, the hope of peace, be able to rule in our lives as well. Father, we receive this word that is given to you, given to us, Father God. And I ask, Father Lord, that surely that help us not just to retain it with their just head knowledge, but also, Father, God, help us to apply the truth in our lives. Father, I thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sermon on the Mount or upside down living is what we've been calling it for the past seven weeks was Jesus' longest explanation of how he wished for his followers to live how our everyday lives should reflect upon his words. You know what? It's just more than looking good on the outside, but matter of the heart. You know, as, as I was preparing for this message, I feel like God is saying, as we're winding down, and today's the last right, sermon on the Sermon on the Mount, I feel like God is saying to us, would you, would you, all of us, feel what I'm feeling. I feel like that's what exactly what God's been teaching me is that, you know, would you Ben, allow me to kind of come into your life and feel what I'm feeling. But you know, people often tell me, pastor Ben, this, this kingdom living, it's, it's sort of like, it's really hard I mean, come on, you know, wherever we go, we're supposed to make sure that it's a better place because Christ lives inside of us. Always making sure that, that to make a conscious effort that we are to become a peacemakers or to have a bifurcated souls. And, you know, just the other day, my wife comes home with this hideous dress and he kept asking me, you know, like, how do I look, honey? Do, do I look pretty in this dress? I mean, weren't we taught that, weren't we taught that, you know what, our yeses needs to be yes and our noes to be no because our words carry a lot of weight. 
Now, what about the other day that, you know what, I really told my neighbor what I really, really think of that person. Yeah, I know, I know. We're supposed to love our neighbors. I mean, Jesus even said to bless them, right? And not to mention that we're supposed to store up our finances in the eternal bank, heaven, where no moth and no rust could get to it. And then there were more rules about fasting and prayers. Now, if that wasn't overwhelming, today's message is going to make some of you guys very uneasy because it's telling us not to be anxious. Now, oh, oh, really? 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 You know what? I mean, is there anyone in this room who is exempt from that kind of a loving? I mean, come on, Pastor Ben, it's really, really unrealistic because it doesn't matter who you are or where you are in your stage of life. Those of you guys who are young, anxious thought is universally common to all human experiences for all of us. About a couple of months ago, when I found out that my mom had colon cancer, I mean, I was worried sick. And I found out that a cancer in my family had invaded. I was really, really scared. Maybe that's why Jesus exhorts us today. Do not worry about anything. Do not worry about anything. But it's, it's not just in this passage alone, but the idea of do not be afraid is actually the most repeated, repeated words, phrases, repeated in scriptural verses throughout the whole Bible. I mean, God said it to Joshua when Joshua was about to take over Moses' ministry, right? As they were going to the land of the promise. God said it to Gideon when calling him to lead Israel in the book of Judges. Even Jesus said it to the woman at his own resurrection in Matthew chapter 28, verse 10. You know what? Even Adam, when he sinned, when when he was in the garden, when he sinned, a new word entered his vocabulary. When God told Adam, ask Adam, 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 what are you? And what did Adam reply? Oh, how did Adam reply? He said, I am hiding because I'm afraid. Today, we are closing our, our, our sermon series that we've been calling it the Upside Down Living. And Jesus is commanding us to never worry about anything. Now, I think I was in college. I think I was in a college Bible study when I first read of this passage in Matthew chapter 6 or a similar verse in Philippians chapter 4. And all of a sudden I asked, because I believe I was worried about something. I tried to remember what I was worrying about, but I know I was worrying about something. And I asked God, hey God, so is there any wiggle room or any exception to this verse? Is there a moment I could just worry a little bit, little bit? I mean, 
you know, we are talking about my mom, God. And God replied, nope. He says, never worry. And I said, what about in this situation? And God says, nope. No to that either. Well, what about, no, no, no. And God says to me, never worry about anything. Now, you think maybe Jesus was onto something or thought that worry was such an important topic that he puts this very subject in one of the most famous sermon that he gave, the Sermon on the Mount, And today, he starts off by saying in verse 25, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and body more than the clothes? Now, this morning, we're going to figure out, or we're going to try to kind of like figure out, why did God, why did Jesus say worrying? Don't worry. Why was worrying such an important topic to Jesus? Well, number one, number one, worry is unreasonable. Worrying is very illogical because worrying doesn't make sense. You know, because when we go through problems or through difficult situations, does worrying solve or shrink that problem? Think about it. When you worry, does worrying actually shrink or solve that problem? And the answer is no, because in reality, worrying actually makes the problem bigger. And Jesus knew that worrying, what what worrying would do in our lives, because worrying would only exaggerate the problems and it would rob us from our joy and peace. Now, do you remember where God told Noah to put the window in the ark? Those of you guys who are biblical scholars, where did God tell Noah to put the ark? It is found in Genesis 6. Do you know where? On top. He told Noah to put the only, only window on top. God knew the heart of men. Can you imagine the Noah's family looking out the window? Can you imagine if we, if they were to put windows on the ark on the size where we normally do, right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine Noah's family like, oh my goodness, when is it going to stop? Look at all the winds. Look at all that lightning. Look at that dinosaur. He's dying. Can you imagine? But instead, God told Noah to look up, to look up, to focus on me. Let go of your, all your worries, your feelings, your anxieties, and look up and focus on me because I am the only one who is going to give you that peace. You know, I love uh, Joshua's uh, little comment today is that, you know what, the disciples, right? Disciples were worried, right, about the wind, right, when they had Jesus in the boat. And wasn't it Peter also who was able to walk that three steps, right? Because his focus was on who? It was on Jesus, not on the wind. But as soon as he lost that focus, right, he was focusing upon that wind, all of a sudden he realized 
He was scared. So worrying is unreasonable because it only exaggerates the issues. But do you know also that worrying doesn't work? It has never worked. It's very, very ineffective. Look at verse 27. Can any one of you by worrying and add a single hour to your life? You see, worry has never accomplished anything and he will never will. The only thing that worry does is that it destroys the person who thinks it or who does it. Do you know that, you know, um, to worry about something you can't change, it's useless. And to worry about something that you can change, now, pardon my French, it's stupid because, you know what, just go do it. But in either case, worrying is not the answer. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. Why are you doing something that it doesn't work? Worrying is unreasonable. Number two, worrying is very, very unnatural. Look at verse 26. And look at the birds in the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Do you guys know that we are the only of God's creation or God's creatures that worry? He's saying birds don't worry. Animals don't worry. Dogs don't worry. Actually, you know what? Um, as I was preparing this, as I wrote, like, dogs don't worry. And go, man, they do, but they actually create worries. Now, I, I, I rent uh, my house, right? I, I rent my house, and I am worry sick that when I leave my house, I won't get my deposit back. Because you know what? My dog had peed so many places, right? Seriously, he had, she had peed so many places that it, I, I'm actually like, I don't think we're going to get that deposit back. Now, that makes me worried. But my dog, she's always going around, wagging her tail. She's, you know, very, very lively. She's not worried. Now, what do I, what do I mean by worrying is unnatural? Well, you know what? We are not born with it. I don't think there's such a people who are born warriors. We actually learn from someone. We learn from somewhere else. Worrying is something that we have acquired and we have learned over the years. Now, here's the good news. If we learn it, I, I think we can unlearn it, okay? Okay? If we really, really try, if we have learned something, we could actually unlearn it. Now, for those people who have actually learned it, we've actually become very, very good at worrying because we've been practicing it, and some of us, we've actually become pros. Now, last week, we just finished the Olympic um, Winter Games in Beijing, right? And I really, really think if an Olympic sport had the sport of warring, some of you guys would get the gold medal. Now, my mom will be one of them because she is such a worry wart. And she had actually gotten her PhD in anxious thoughts. 
So worrying is learned. I, I, we, we've all learned it from someone or somewhere. Now for me, I, I learned it from my mom. And so it's unnatural. It's acquired. I mean, there's no babies coming out from mother's womb and thinking, hey, you know what? Why did my mom just shove me out? I really, really liked it in there. You know what? Now that I'm out, how am I going to live in this world? I don't see too many babies worrying about how they're going to survive. And that's why number 20, verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They did not sow or reap or store away in the barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Now, I, I want you to focus upon that latter verse in verse 26, the word your heavenly father. Who is God to you? Isn't he our heavenly father who is also the king of all kings? And as children of the king, children of royalty, then why are you so worried about? The birds don't worry. And God isn't even their father. Now, God created the birds, but he isn't their father, but he is our father. So why do you worry so much? And the verse continues on in verse 28. Then why do you so worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow and do not labor and spin. It, I tell you that not even Solomon's in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And what God is saying that, you know what? In all of God's creations, we are the only ones that worry. Birds don't worry. Animals don't worry. Plants don't worry. Human beings are the only ones who worry. And this is what Jesus is saying to us. Aren't you more valuable than these things that I've created? Because I am your father. And so Jesus is saying to us is that don't worry because worrying is so unnatural. Number three, worrying is not unreasonable, unnatural, but it's unhealthy. Do you guys know that our bodies weren't meant to carry a load, all these loads? Now, some of you guys have small loads, and some of you guys have a lot of loads, right? Now, have you ever heard of the term, I am worried sick? I've used it twice in my sermon. Did you pick it up? Now, we weren't meant to carry all this, all the load, what, what worrying does. And because we have said it, I'm worried sick. It's actually making some of us sick. It's taking a toll in our bodies. You know, according to some medical journals, that guilt, resentment, and worry are the top three causes of most sicknesses in our lives. Now, so then... Could it be that not so much what we eat? Now, it, it does matter, okay, guys? But what eats us that makes us sick? You guys are supposed to laugh. I really, really thought that was a really, really good punchline. It, it, it's not what we eat, but what eats us that makes us sick. Now, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, look at Proverbs twelve twenty-five. Proverbs 12, 25 says, an anxious heart weighs a man down. An anxious heart makes a man down. 
Do you guys know what the word worry means? It's an old English word that means to strangle or to choke. And that's what the worry means. Now, if you actually understand why worrying makes us sick, and now you understand because it makes us, what, strangle and choke. And every time someone is worrying, you are strangling or choking some life out of your body. Ah, but, but, but a heart of peace gives life to the body. Proverbs 14.30. A heart of peace gives life to the body. You know, um, my primary care physician, now I don't know if she's a Christian or not, but I think she's a Christian. Every time I go visit her office, she knows I'm a pastor. And she always kind of asks, so what is your stress? That's the first thing she asks me. What is your stress? And whenever I actually leave, and when I exit the room, she says, Pastor Ben, worry affects your circulation, your heart, your glands, your nervous systems. And this is what she says. Pastor Ben, I have never met anyone in my whole practice who died from working so hard, but I have known plenty who have died from worrying so much. And that's what she says all the time. All the time. So if you want a healthier life, let go of your worries. Let go of all your anxieties. Let go and let him in to your life. Jesus, who is our Jehovah Rapha, our prime care physician. Let go and let him into your life. So worrying is unreasonable, unnatural, unhealthy. And lastly, worrying is unnecessary. Worrying is necessary. Look at verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which he is here today and tomorrow is thrown into fire. Will he not much more clothe you? You little of faith. I want you to test your memory. What did you worry about one year ago today? Can you guess what you were worrying about one year today? Now, some of you guys are able to answer that because you know what? You guys were in an, under very immense, immense trials. Something great happened. But I would wager, I would wager that most of you will not be able to give me a clear answer what you guys worried about one year ago today. One year ago today, worrying. It's an unnecessary activity. Now, I want you to right now pause and I want you to kind of reflect or meditate upon verse 30. And I pause and I meditate upon verse 30. You know, I feel like God is saying to me, Jesus is saying to all of us, Jesus is saying to all of us, don't worry, I got you. I'll take care of you. Just let me into your life. Don't you think I could meet all your needs? Remember, I have made you. I've created you. I've saved you. I put my spirit inside of you. I, I love you so very much, but you live as if you do not trust completely what I'm doing. 
I feel like verse 30 is saying, you know what? You don't really trust what I'm doing in your life. Hey, there was a man named Jack who was walking along a steep cliff one day and he accidentally got close to the edge and he fell. On the way down, he grabbed a branch, was temporarily stopped the fall. He looked down into her and that saw that, you know what, if he fell, he would go fall into a thousands and thousands of feet. He, he couldn't hang on to the branch any longer and there was no way for him to climb back up to the cliff. So Jack began to yell, help, help, help. And he, he yelled for hours. But no one heard him. Now, he was about to give up when he heard a voice. Jack, Jack, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Oh, oh yes, I, I, I can hear you. Uh, I'm down here. Can't you see? I'm, I'm, I'm here. And, and the voice says, I can see you, Jack. Are you all right? Yes, yes. Who, who are you? Where are you? And the, the voice replied, I am the Lord, Jack. I am everywhere. The, the, the Lord? You mean God? Yes, that's me. Oh, oh, God, please save me. Please help me. I'll do anything for you. Now, now Jack, 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 um, e- easy on the promises. Jack, um, let, let's just first get you out of there. And then we can talk. Okay, now, here, this is what I want you to do, Jack. Listen carefully. I'll I'll, I'll do anything. I'll I'll do anything. Jack? Jack? Yes, yes? Just tell me what to do. Let go of that branch that you're holding on to. What? You, You want me to do what? I said... Can you let go of that branch that you are holding on to? Just trust me. Let go, Jack. And there was this long silence. And after the long silence, finally Jack yelled back again aloud. Help! Help! Is there anyone else up there? Now, that's why I think verse 32 is so alarming because he says, For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Those of you guys who have never read verse 32, I want you to look at it. God is saying to us, Jesus is saying to us, When we worry, we act like the Gentiles. Now, I like the NIV translation of the word Gentiles. It's actually, I've given to you, I've actually substituted, I've actually said the pagans. Who are the pagans? We act like as if we we don't know God. Now, this is what they did before they knew God. But now, some of us, all of us, we know God And God is saying to us, don't live as if you don't have a God because you do. Don't live like orphans because you have a heavenly father who cares so much. But sometimes it's amazing for me to know sometimes that people go through life's problems that creates worries in their hearts 
in their minds, in their souls, and they never tell that problem to our Heavenly Father. You know, I think sometimes Christians are embarrassed to go before the throne of heaven and say, Lord, I'm having a very, very difficult time here. I could really, really need your help right now. Would you help me? Because I can't go through this problem without you. And so God gives us the remedy. He prescribes, and that's found in verse 33. It says, but seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Do you guys remember a story that we all know of? It's found in Mark chapter 6. This is the feeding of the 5,000. And in the book of John, it tells you who those two disciples were coming and it says, you know what, Jesus, we have a problem. And Jesus says, what's the problem? Well, you know what? We have so many people, we have no food. And one of the disciples goes, even 200 denarii's worth of food is not going to be able to provide all the food for this. Now, do you guys remember what Jesus' response to those two disciples, especially the one that says, Jesus, it's not going to work. Even 200 denarii's worth of food is not going to be able to feed all these people. Now, do you guys know what the response of Jesus was? Jesus said, Philip, you give them something to eat. Now, when I first read that verse, I didn't understand. What kind of God is this? Come on, you told me to, you know what? If I were to release all my prayers and answer, oh, oh, worries, that he would come. He's the Heavenly Father. But if you actually really, really look at the response, you give them something to eat. You know what Jesus is saying? There is no way that you're going to be able to find the solution to this problem. So toss it back to me. I don't think Jesus' intention for that particular situation to feed the 5,000, but when the problem arose, when problem was addressed to Jesus, Jesus said, you know what? You give them something to eat, meaning that, you know what? He wanted us to know where our spirituality is. Can you, and once again, once again, Philip says, there's no way that even 200 denarii's worth of food is going to be able to solve this problem. And Jesus is asking, it's not your problem to solve. Bring it back. Toss it back to me. You know, when I found out that my mom had colon cancer, one of the things that I dreaded the most, after losing my dad, the greatest fear, one of the greatest fear that I faced was losing my mom. And I remember coming down from the mountains after burying my dad. I said, Lord, if you take my mom, I'll be very devastated. That was four years ago. And when I got that phone call from my brother saying, my mom has colon cancer, my, my life just shook. There wasn't an ounce of my body that it didn't cringe. I was worried sick. And 
And I just couldn't release. I'll be honest with you. I didn't, you know, share with my wife. I was just kind of eating it up inside of me. At first, I was actually bitter at God. I said, you know, you took my dad four years ago, but if you were to take my mom, I think I, my, my life would be a little bit, be very difficult, God. And all of a sudden, God began to say, look, do you remember the conversation that you and I had when you were arguing that why did you take my dad, you know? Why did I take your dad? My dad has Parkinson's disease. And one of the things that he loved the most, it was he loved playing soccer. And one of the things that he couldn't do when he had Parkinson was that he just couldn't play sports. And I remember the conversation, an audible conversation that I had in the hospital chapel when we unplug my dad and I was very, very angry and I was kind of, you know, at Lord, I didn't even get to say goodbye to my dad. I remember God saying to me, son, your dad is up in heaven and he's doing what he loved the best playing soccer. And then when I heard that, oh my goodness, I said, Lord, thank you. And when I asked the same question, Lord, now I'm really, really worried. I'm really sick. And God began to kind of say, don't worry. Don't worry, I got you. I am your heavenly father. I feel like Jesus knew exactly that worrying would hinder our ability to receive God's word, which in turn would stunt our spiritual growth. That's why he put worrying as one of the subjects and one of the topics as one of his greatest sermons, because he knew that worrying would hinder our ability to receive God's word and in return Stunt our spiritual growth. I mean, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so here is, here is kind of the closing remark, the final remark. If we don't live with the anchor of faith, then we will simply drift in the sea of anxiety. If we don't live with the anchor of faith in our lives, we will simply drift in the sea of anxiety. And that's exactly why Jesus puts warring in one of his greatest sermon, Sermon on the Mount. All of us worry. I don't think there's anybody who doesn't worry some of us worry a little bit more than some of us who doesn't. Some of us are gold medal winners and some of us are maybe bronze winners. But regardless, we all worry. But when we worry, and God is saying, toss it back to me. 
Now, before I close, I want to say one thing. Now, could it be also that we worry because we don't get what we want? If you go back and we read all the Bible verses that we, I just gave you from Matthew chapter 6 for 24 to 33, 34, God never promised us of what we want, but he does promise what we need. But could it be sometimes that, you know what, because of the things that I want is so different from the need that he's giving to me. Maybe that's because we you know what we, we, we worry But regardless, regardless, if we don't live with the anchor of faith, we'll simply drift in the anxiety. And what God wants us to do is, look, whenever you feel anxious, whenever you feel that anxious thoughts is choking or strangling your life, and God is saying to us, let me in. I got you. I am your heavenly father. I got this. Come on. 200 denarius worth of food is not going to be able to feed all these people. No, it's okay. I got this. And then Jesus performs the greatest miracles, I think. And there's 12 baskets, right? 12 baskets to illustrate that, that I am the bread of life. I am the one that you should seek. You should seek after I, I really like one of my favorite song is is raising a hallelujah you guys those of you guys who know know the background of the song go and and listen to it but it's it's a spectacular but one of the things i really really love is that are we able to sing a raising hallelujah in the middle of a storm why and because our eyes is focused on Jesus. Amen. And let me pray. Father God, I just thank you so very much that whenever and wherever, Father God, that I'm feeling so anxious that I can look up, that you are our Heavenly Father. Father, I thank you so very much for that timely message, especially for me. And now, Father God, some of us who are worried, some of us are sick of worrying, I just pray, Father, Lord, help us to let go and let you in our life. Father, I thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.